I've noticed a number of peculiar incidents among the members of the student body, all having to do with rock and roll music. Now, if you don't think this song is the greatest song ever, I will fight you. It's that time of year again. Time to break out the candy, don the costume, and of course, play some creepy music. I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. And I'm Greg Koch from the Chicago Tribune. Coming up, our annual Sound Opinions Halloween special. This time, it's all about the monsters. And later, we review a new album by one of the hardest-hitting bands in rock, Converge. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You are listening to Sound Opinions, and time now for our Halloween special. I was working in the lab late one night When my eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the match He did the monster match The monster match It was a graveyard smash He did the match It caught on in a flash He did the match He did the monster match Greg, that classic is, of course, the Monster Mash, and we are doing the best rock songs ever about monsters for this year's Halloween special. That is too obvious a choice. We had to dig deeper. Monsters is our focus. We have a coin here with my favorite monster, a zombie, any zombie. I love zombies. (laughs) I'm loving The Walking Dead. I I worship at the altar of Romero. Who you got on your coin? Jim, one of the most underrated monsters of all time, I believe, Mothra. Ah, okay. Okay. Coin is in the air. And the zombie wins. How could the zombie not win? This is the year (laughs) of the zombie. Greg, I'm going to go, though, to another monster first off the bat. Perhaps the most famous movie monster of all time, Frankenstein. The New York Dolls had a fantastic song on their debut album, The Godfathers of Punk. This tune, Frankenstein. It helped, I think, that Arthur Killer Kane, the late bassist of the New York Dolls, looked like Frankenstein. (laughs) Many people often compared him to Frankenstein. He was stiff. He was tall. He was awkward. But, you know, David Johansson is kind of expanding Frankenstein into, you know, something must have happened over Manhattan. What have they done this time? What, What has spawned such a Frankenstein? The New York Dolls, of course, were a Frankensteinian band. A little bit of glam, a little bit of what would become punk rock, a little bit of classic Rolling Stones swagger. Here they are on Sound Opinions, our first monster song, Frankenstein by the New York Dolls. Something must have Bang on me and master, making his demand play. 
Frankenstein by the New York Dolls. You know, Greg, we've done this Halloween show several times. We always love it. We generally do scary songs in general. We thought it was time to focus a little more this year. Monster songs specifically. Who is your first monster? Well, Jim, monsters come in all different sizes. And the one that I got to say that terrified me the most when I was a little kid was one of the smallest. Everybody knows that movie, The Fly. Oh, yeah. And I'm not talking about the David Cronenberg remake in 1986. No. I am talking about the B-movie, black-and-white original from Vincent 1958. Price. Yes, And absolutely. a little fly at the end in the spider web. Help me, help me. Help me, Yes, that image of the little human <laughs> fly at the end, trapped in the spider's web, about to be consumed by the giant spider, just terrified me. I had that image and that little voice, that little pipsqueak voice yeah. screaming for help in my mind for years. I'm still thinking about it now. It creeps me out. So Lux Interior of the Cramps, he is a connoisseur of trash culture. B-movies, B-sides, early rock and roll. And the Cramps in the late 70s paid homage to them in numerous songs. The song The Human Fly is all about the experience, I think, of seeing this movie and sort of transporting it into the future. Here is the Cramps' Human Fly on Sound Opinions. Nine to six eyes, I got a garbage brain that's driving me insane. And I don't like a ride, so push the best aside. And baby, I 
Fly by the Cramps, Greg Cott's first monster pick this Halloween. Okay, Greg, I know it's a good day when you come in and you see what I have in front of me in terms of CDs, and you say, what the heck is that? I've never heard about that. (laughs) A movie I loved also used to catch on the afternoon movie back in the days when there were only five TV channels was The Blob. Steve McQueen's first movie, 1958. Of course, the threat comes from outer space, as all threats do. A meteor lands, somebody cracks it open, this little glob of jelly comes out, right? Mm-hmm. But it grows because it eats everything in its path. And in the best scene, to eat an entire movie theater. <laughs> this was way ahead of its time, a postmodern commentary on horror movie audiences and movie monsters. Now, amazingly... Almost beyond belief, the theme song for this B-grade 1958 horror movie, they tapped Burt Bacharach, who had already had some hits. He already was Burt Bacharach working with Hal David. It is this bizarre, gonzo, goofy, surf rock kind of cheese anthem. Beware of the Blob is the name of the song. Now, he didn't write it with Hal David. He wrote it with Hal's older brother, Mac David. That's a name you may not know. Mac did some work with Carol King, but not the lyricist Hal David was. And I will read you some of the lyrics, and you'll understand why Burt Bacharach <laughs> didn't write many more songs with Mac David. Beware of the blob. It creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor. I think Burt Bacharach has spent the rest of his career disavowing his hand in this tune. It's a classic nonetheless. Beware of the blob on Sound Opinions. Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door, all around the wall, a splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob.
Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob. <laughs> Classic, right? Oh, man. Beware of the Blob by the Five Blobs. So it's a B movie, but what is that, about a D song? I mean, it's like, this it's was hilarious. A, this was a hit. The Five Blobs were only one man, this guy Bob Knee, who overdubbed everything, and he had a lot of hits. Shockingly, I'd never heard that until now, so uh, thank you, Mr. Dirigatis, for enlightening me. I'm here to enrich your life and the life of all of our listeners. Now, Jim, as you know, speaking of our listeners, everyone is a critic as far as Sound Opinions is concerned. So let's turn it over to some of our listeners right now. First up, we got Mary Lou from Los Angeles. Mary Lou, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So we want to hear about your favorite monster song for Halloween. What is it? Okay, well, for my pick, I chose Zombie by The Fallouts. I have no idea what that is, Mary Lou. Tell us about it. The band itself, they're out of the Pacific Northwest, and they were a 90s garage punk pop style band and the song is zombie and being that zombies are all the rage now and uh, we're burgeoning on the horizon um, we have the zombie apocalypse coming soon so I thought it uh, appropriate to pick this song All right, I'm, I'm digging that. That's a little bit like The Liars without the Boston and with a little more surf in it. Yeah, you can dance to that. So, Mary Lou, tell us about your theory about this song. What What is the deeper meaning? Well, I think it can be taken literally as, you know, monster, zombie, but I think deeper than that, he's probably equating uh, some girl he was dating at the time or someone he was seeing as sort of monster-like, sort of on a creepy level. It can go both ways monster or sort of creepy relationship gone awry. Does, does that latter have personal resonance, Mary Lou? <laughs> not, not for me. Good, 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 good. We're glad. I dated a zombie. There's a song. I mean, there you go. All right, Mary Lou, thank you very much for your choice. We appreciate it. Sure, thank you. Next up, Jason is on the line here in Chicago. Jason, have you got a great monster track? I do have one. Shank Hill Butchers by the Decemberists. Oh, off wow. The Crane Wife album. As with every Decemberist song, not always obvious. Give us your analysis. Sure. So uh, the, I, I feel like the scariest monsters are always the ones that happen in real life. So the Shank Hill Butcher song is actually based on a, uh, a real-life story of mass murder in Ireland. Uh, and it turns out that a group of, I think they were Protestants, went around killing um, a bunch of Catholic people in the 1970s. And if there is anything scarier in the world, I'm not sure what it really is. The shank-kill butchers ride tonight 
You better shut your windows tight They're sharpening their cleavers and their knives And taking all their whiskey by the pint Cause everybody knows If you don't Mind you, mother's words A wicked wind will blow Your ribbons from your curls Everybody moan, everybody shake The shank kill butchers wanna catch you Colin Malloy in the Decemberists. Um, you know, that guy has a macabre streak, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I say so. And, you know, the delivery of the song as sort of a story that, that moms and dads tell their children to get them to follow rules <laughs> makes it even more terrifying to me. You know, what kind of parents would do that to their children? Right. You're, you're, so your parents never never pulled something like that on you is what you're saying? Well, no, they never threatened, threatened me with, uh, with murder. <laughs> <laughs> Good for them. Good for yeah. them. <laughs> right. Thanks, Jason. We appreciate the choice. Hey, thank you so much. Everybody knows if you don't mind your mother's Some great ghoulish picks from our listeners. You can share your own favorites at 888-859-1800. We'll continue counting down monster theme tunes after a quick break on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. And later, we'll review the new album by the hardcore metal band, Converge. I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand Walking through the streets of Soho in the rain He was looking for the place called Lee Ho Fuchs Gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein You better not let him in Little old lady got mutilated late last night Werewolves of London again Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. He's Greg Cott, and that is Rocky Erickson with I Walked with a Zombie. Greg, 
Rocky has written more songs about monsters than anyone in rock <laughs> history, but we've given Rocky a lot of love here, so we're digging deeper on this Halloween with great songs about monsters. You're up next. What do you got? Thanks, Jim. There's a terrifying aspect to monsters, obviously, but there's also a tongue-in-cheek aspect to some of these songs as well that we're playing today, and the next one is a good example of that. TV on the radio's Wolf Like Me. I'm referring specifically to the video for this song from the 2006 TV on the radio album, Return to Cooking Mountain. They're obviously big fans of those B-horror movies that we talked about earlier in the show. They're referring specifically, though, to the 20s silent film era in the video here and combining it with more of a tongue-in-cheek aspect of of some of the more contemporary horror films. Like, think about American Werewolf in London, where Mm. you get the mix of the horror and the humor. And there are some great images in the video as well of the band's guitarist, Kip Malone, who looks a little bit like a werewolf if you're looking from the distance. He's got a lot of hair, amazing hair. And they're blending the images of the band with this footage of these 20s silent movies that really works creepily well. The whole idea in this song is about obsession turning into a curse I cannot lift. But as the singer Tunde Adabimpe says, but God, I like it. So it's not all bad being a monster sometimes. Turning into a werewolf can be pretty cool. TV on the radio with Wolf Like Me on Sound Opinions. Wolf Like Me from TV on the radio on Sound Opinions. One of my picks for a great monster song. Jim, what do you got next? Well, Greg, we're hitting all the universal classic monsters. We've had Frankenstein. We've had the werewolf. Time for a vampire. But this is not the universal Dracula, Bela Lugosi vampire. I'm going to go to Concrete Blonde's 1990 breakthrough album, Bloodletting, and the title track. This is where Concrete Blonde shifted from being a fairly conventional proto-alternative hard rock L.A. 
glamish band into being a full-on goth band. Bloodletting, parentheses, the vampire song, was inspired by Jeanette Napolitano, the lead singer and songwriter's love of Anne Rice and all of those vampire chronicles. So this is the, the New Orleans weird, sexy vampire, not the Bela Lugosi or Nosferatu vampire. You, you gotta love this. You can hear the sexual allure of the vampire as she's singing about it. There's a crack in the mirror, a blood stain on the bed. Oh, you were a vampire, and baby, I'm walking dead. Jeanette Napolitano and Concrete Blonde with Bloodletting on Sound Opinions. Bloodletting by Concrete Blonde. I'm not so big on the rice vampires, but I really love Mm. True Blood. What do you got next, Greg? Vampires are cool. They'll never go out of style. And I'm going to stick with that theme, Jim. Outkast definitely picked that theme up on their 2003 album, Speaker Box, The Love Below. Basically two solo records. We had the Big Boy half, and then we had the Andre 3000 half. I'm going to go to the Love Below, which was Andre 3000's half of the record. Andre 3000 just went all over the map when he recorded The Love Below. The freaky songs, the introspective acoustic songs, the heavy metal parodies. Mm. I mean, he was all over the map. On the song I'm going to play, he pays homage to Dracula. 
but he also has a lot of fun with it. He brings in the great R&B singer Khalees for a cameo, and I think she, she walks away with the song. The funny deadpan lines just flow when she enters the song. She's talking about her ability to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches while she's hanging out from the ceiling. She's saying there's a lot at stake yeah. here. Oops, that was a bad pun, wasn't it? Her finest <laughs> moment right after Milkshake. I don't know. I'll put this, I don't think this is quote nearly as good as Milkshake, but in terms of funny horror songs, it ranks way up there. Till Death Do Us Part, she says, wait a minute, I think I'm already dead. I can't, I, we, I can't say that. <laughs> no promises. That. No promises at all. This is Outcast with Dracula's Wedding on Sound Opinions. I wait my whole life to fight the right one. Then you come along and that freaks me out. So I'm frightened. Ooh, Dracula's one. I never ran from no one, but I'm terrified of you. See, my heartbeat is a slow one, but I'm terrified of you. Another Greg Cott monster pick, Dracula's Wedding by Outcast from Speaker Box, The Love Below. Nice one, Mr. Cott. Now it's time to get back to the phone for some more listener suggestions. Leah is with us. Leah, welcome to Sound Opinions. Hi, thank you. So you've got a great monster song for us, right? It's um, Teenage Ghouls Out for Blood by American Werewolves. Digging deep. All right, tell us about this song. <laughs> They're a band out of Cleveland. They kind of have this great following in Cleveland. Um, where I'm originally from. So I sort of spent my teen years going to their shows and going to their Halloween shows, so they will forever be Halloween to me. (laughs) And uh, what's cool about this band is all their songs, all their lyrics sort of have this undertone of classic horror movies and monster movies. You know, the lyrics in this song talk about the house on Haunted Hill and going to the graveyard. So it, it, it kind of has this spooky, eerie undertone whenever I hear them.
That's Teenage Ghouls, Out for Blood by the American Werewolves. you got to love a title like that. Leah, thanks for sharing it. Hey, thank you. Our final guest critic is Dave in St. Charles, Illinois. Hey, Dave, what's your favorite monster song? Well, uh, my choice was Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo. And uh, that song for me has a special place in my heart, but uh, certainly uh, relating to your show, I thought it was the perfect song. It has all the, the right Halloween references, you know, all dressed up and nowhere to go, has the costume reference and mm-hmm. uh, walking with a dead man over my shoulder. So that's a little spooky and eerie. And, uh, of course, the the party aspect of uh, Halloween. The, the and, fun time, yeah. Uh, of course. Because and, Oingo Boingo was a party band. And we have to remember Danny Elfman, the band leader now, does a lot of musical work for the uh, Simpsons and does all those Halloween episodes. Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, not to mention all the Tim Burton movies. And uh, so he's got a little bit of a, a dark side as well. Here's a little bit of Dead Man's Party from Oingo Boingo. to the band itself was uh, they actually performed this song in the movie uh, Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. And <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was classic. One of the great American actors, Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dave, I like your choice musically, but I'm wondering about thematically. Now, we've done a bunch of these Halloween shows, and we specified this time Monster. I don't know, a dead man kind of uh, conjures up zombies and, yeah, and that sort of thing. Go. So I, I would say that that falls into the monster category. Thanks so much, Dave. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. It may be hard to top Oingo Boingo, Greg, but I'm going to give it a shot. As we come up with our final Halloween monster picks, I'm going to go with the biggest, baddest monster of all, Godzilla. I, of course, am thinking of the Blue Oyster Cult song, paying homage to that Japanese monster. I saw the Black and Blue tour when I was a kid. Blue Oyster Cult, 
touring with Black Sabbath. Ozzy had left. It was Ronnie James Dio, right? Mm. It was still scary for a kid from New Jersey to cross over, go to Madison Square Garden, see Black Sabbath live, you know, the band that was hand-in-hand with Satan. But Blue Oyster Cult was almost as frightening. They had a lot of great horror songs as well, if you recall, Don't Fear the Reaper, Mm -hmm. a million others. But Godzilla was my favorite because it's really goofy. But in the middle of an arena show, they would suddenly turn off every light in the house. And I mean, Madison Square Garden was pitch black. And then the most powerful strobe light you have ever seen in your life would go on. And the song would break down into the drummer's solo. Because what heavy metal band in those days, you know, 1980, (laughs) did not have a drum solo. And somehow the roadie would sneak up behind the drummer in the midst of this full-on thrashing, bashing solo and put a giant Godzilla head on him. (laughs) You couldn't really see it because of the strobe lights. And then the lights would come on, and suddenly Godzilla is playing the drums. It was the greatest, (laughs) cheesiest, most wonderful thing ever, as is this song. But, you know, these were all really well-educated, master degree, doctoral degree in some cases, members Mm -hmm. of this heavy metal band. So their songs, while they were funny and cheesy and self-conscious, often had a really serious point. And the point of Godzilla, you know where I'm going. This is one of the greatest lines in rock lyric history. History shows again and again how nature points up the folly of man. (laughs) Blue Oyster Cult with Godzilla on Sound Opinions.
with a purposeful grimace, Godzilla from Blue Oyster Cult, my favorite monster song. Greg, you have one more for us. What is it? Thanks, Jim. Uh, it's hard to top that one. Oh, no, there goes Tokyo. <laughs> I know. God, go, go, Godzilla. <laughs> How can you top a line like that? Uh, it's an awesome song. I'm going to go deep, dark, and introspective for my final track. Uh, we've been talking about physical monsters for the most part in these songs. But when Donovan wrote Season of the Witch in 1966, he was talking about the monsters inside of his head in a lot of ways and the people around him. Monsters can lurk everywhere. In this case, there was a lot of paranoia in the air. He'd been experimenting with drugs. He was starting to move into electric music. His life was changing. He was being perceived as a pop star, but he was also a target of the royal police who were going after these British pop stars in a big way starting in 1966. In fact, Donovan was the first big drug bust of all the British pop stars for his dalliances with pot, hashish, and LSD. Mm. But he wrote the song just before that, so in a lot of ways he was presaging what was going on. So this whole idea of paranoia, there's a monster everywhere you look, the bad vibes that were in the air at the time. The monster might be inside of you, too. You never know is pervasive in this song. And titling it Season of the Witch really lays that out, that there's something strange and paranormal in the air in the UK at the time. This is Donovan with Season of the Witch from 1966 on Sound Opinions. When I look out my window Many sights to see And when I look in my window so many different people to be That it's strange So strange You got to pick up every stitch You got to pick up every stitch You got to pick up every stitch Donovan with Season of the Witch on Sound Opinions, one of my favorite monster songs. You can check out our complete Halloween playlist at soundopinions.org. And if you want to share your favorite monster track or comment on anything in the rock world, call 888-859-1800. You can also connect to us on Facebook and Twitter. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, 
Back away from your speakers, we've got the latest from metal band Converge. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim Dirigatis, and you're hearing a little bit of the new Converge album, All We Love, We Leave Behind, the track called Vicious Muse. This is the eighth studio album from Converge, a band formed in Salem, Massachusetts, all the way back in 1990, when uh, singer Jacob Bannon and guitarist Kurt Ballou, the founding members of the band, were just teenagers. And back then, Blue described the band as just a bunch of hardcore kids playing leftover Slayer riffs. Yeah. Uh, he basically said, you know, we were just figuring it out. We really didn't know what we were doing. But they created a genre almost in spite of themselves. By 2001, they made an album called Jane Doe, which really defined this intersection of hardcore punk, thrash metal, and art metal in a way that I don't think any other band quite did as well. Ever since then, they've been on a tremendous roll. They've been recording consistently in Baloo's own studio in Massachusetts called God City, where he's recorded a number of other key metal bands over the last couple decades, bands like Disfear, Torch, High on Fire, but none more prominent than his very own band, Converge. We're going to review the new album in a second. Here's a track from it, Empty on the Inside from Converge on Sound Opinions.
That is Empty on the Inside from Converge on Sound Opinions, album number eight, All We Love, We Leave Behind. And Greg Cott, as we say in journalism, you buried the lead. Where is that house where Kurt Ballou records so many of the great smart metal bands? Salem, Massachusetts. Yes, which central? There is a frightening element to these guys. They started out as Slayer fans, but there is a sophistication. You know, smart metal, I think, is a sort of derisive term. It indicates that other metal bands that aren't high on fire or torch or converge are dumb. No, I think it's a a term that really we, we should call an ambitious metal because they have been moving further and further into the jazz realm. And let's face it, in this genre, all bands like this succeed or fail on the strength of the drummer. In Ben Kohler, they have an amazing drummer. The dynamics, the shifts in in different rhythms, and the jazzy subtlety that he brings to this sledgehammer to the head hard rock are all truly amazing. Meanwhile, from Baloo and Jacob Bannon, we're getting increasing touches of almost free jazz noise. This is a great album. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but but boy, this is as good as hard, hard rock or metal get these days. I have to say, on the Buy It, Burn It trash scale, it's a very enthusiastic buy it from me. Well, people who are on the fringe of metal or who don't pay much attention to it probably don't realize how good and consistent Converge has been. But to their followers, I think this has clearly been one of the most consistent bands over the last two decades. They've never really made a bad album, but I think over the last four or five, especially since uh, Jane Doe in 2001, they've made a series of really great albums. And All We Love, We Leave Behind is right in that lineage. Jim, as you said, it's this combination of technical virtuosity, but really compressed into these very tight two, three, four-minute songs. Mm-hmm. There's not a wasted note anywhere here. It's not indulgent, wanky, long solos. It's about getting in and getting out over four bars, eight bars, and, and really making a statement that has a lot of impact. The combination of aggression with virtuosity, very few bands doing it better. The range of intensity from something like Vicious Muse to like this almost dreamlike soundscape that they get on Coral Blue. I love that track. is an amazing drummer. Nate Newton's playing some lead bass on some of these songs. Mm-hmm. Blue with these really terse but mind-boggling bursts on guitar. And then Bannon, I think, as one of the most introspective of, of the lead singers. You may, you may think of him as a screamer, but a lot of the stuff that he's projecting about has an incredible vulnerability about it. You're trying not to use the E word, right? No, and I think they would be offended by that, but at the Emo. same time, it's a little bit beyond that. The, the idea of that title song is you've given up everything for your art. You know, all, the, all that you love, you leave behind for your music, for your art. That's how they, li- they have conducted themselves in this band. Well, there's some talk of slit throats as well. You know, it's a metal band. <laughs> but apparently it's worth it because All We Love, We Leave Behind is a Buy It album all the way. So that is a double buy it for the latest from Converge. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? 
Next week, Jim, we are going to take a close look at James Brown live at the Apollo with James Brown biographer R.J. Smith. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by Jason Dalek Saldana and Robin Cookie Monster Lynn. Our assistant producer is Annie Gollum Minoff, and our intern is Griffin Kraken Waterman. Our executive producer, our fearless leader, Tori Southside Malatia, he's sort of the invisible man. Sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Guys, Andy Shaner here from Madison, Wisconsin. I was catching up on a recent podcast, and I heard you talking about Lil Wayne versus Elvis showing up on the Top 100 chart. And let's be honest, I'm no Elvis fan, but Lil Wayne's cameos and appearances doing a verse on a particular song doesn't really constitute a full Lil Wayne track or Lil Wayne. So I don't know that we can be giving him full credit for all those appearances in the Top 100. He just sort of showed up for a day of work instead of actually putting his name on it. So let's have some context here at Elvis' place. Where's Lil Wayne? Thanks, everybody. Bye. You hey, guys. This is Sarah from Boston. Um, I just finished listening to the Passion Pit interview, um, and I just wanted to say that it was so great. Thank you so much. I love the show, and... Um, that was a particularly amazing interview. I had never heard those songs stripped down so bare before, and they were so beautiful. I was actually, I live in Boston, and I actually went, uh, did my master's program at Emerson College, uh, where Michael went to school. Um, and I was standing on the platform waiting for the tea, listening, and it was just sort of surreal kind of hearing his voice and thinking about what he went through while he was in school to write those songs. And uh, you mentioned to him you wished he would do an album. Uh, just like that, and I really do too. So my vote's for a pared-down album from Passion Pit. Anyway, thanks so much. Bye. And you said it was like fire on the bridge, burning solid, burning thin, the burning rim, like stars burning holes right through the dark, flicking fire. So what into my eyes You were one inch from the edge of this bed I dragged you back a sleepy head Sleepy
Tim and Greg. This is Luis from Bloomington, Indiana. I'm actually calling to recant an earlier comment that I made regarding your classic album dissection of David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust album. And I originally said that I was disappointed with uh, kind of how shallow and that you didn't get in-depth enough. Actually, I had the opportunity to listen back to the podcast while I was uh, driving through Illinois earlier today. And I was wrong in my first assessment. Uh, you actually did a very good job. I guess uh, I had a bit of a knee-jerk reaction the first time I listened to it with that album being very near and dear to my heart. Uh, so I wanted to call back and, and actually give you guys kudos to that album dissection. I still disagree with your statement that David Bowie is a second-tier rock star, uh, but overall it really was a great uh, review of the album and spent a lot of time on it. So I'm not too... Uh, small to admit that I was wrong in my first assessment. So keep up the good work and I'll keep listening. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.